now the why clock not? has started. Uh, why not? Because because Pablo sets the apartment on fire. <laughs> definitely, definitely um, shouldn't be entrusted to cook anyone's Valentine's Day dinner. Um, even if you gave me uh, an apron with two pockets as opposed to just the one that Dominique has over his chest. One pocket for 22, <laughs> just in case it goes down. Like my beef still alive. I got to finish the job, baby. Where are you cooking? <laughs> I'm in, I'm, I eat a Fury Road and Fury Road only. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you got to fight off. The meat is expensive, guys. You got to fight off uh, Raiders. Um, not Oakland Raiders. Alabaster. <laughs> okay yeah I, I was waiting for you to to, to complete that jump pass but uh, uh, right out of bounds. i'm a terrible influence on my friends i uh, i take responsibility for all of uh, this oh thank you um all right so that was pablo's bad joke and we will pivot to pablo's former valentine ben simmons oh, and God. no no because this is actually becoming a fascinating question uh, the it? Nets are this fun. Yeah, they're this fun team, and he's a former All NBA caliber player who is lost on the basketball court right now. The Nets aren't competing for a title this season, so should the Nets continue to give Ben Simmons significant minutes? I mean, look, I cannot defend this hill with the vigor that I used to. Okay? <laughs> it's hard times for, and I've been told I should be careful when saying this. Yeah, boy. <laughs> on Ben Simmons Hill. Ben Simmons on paper, right? He's averaging like what, like nine, seven, and seven or thereabouts. Um, but look, when you watch these games, it is impossible to spin the criticisms into like, oh yeah, this'll be fine. <laughs> and yeah, seven, six point three and six point one, um, forty-four percent from the foul line. The point is he is passive. He is a guy who is playing like someone who had back surgery not so long ago. And then even more than that, there is the psychological stuff, which I can't begin to unpack, even as I have tried to talk to people who've done reporting about what's inside of that sort of, um, yeah, mystery box. And so do they give them significant minutes? I, I think they do. Um, the question, of course, is what significant means because he's not a starting caliber NBA player right now. And I hate that you made me do this. I really yeah. hate that you made me start a show with this. I mean, I don't know the argument for not giving significant minutes. I think the the best thing you can do for Ben, ben Simmons is try to reclaim his ability to be an impactful player on the defensive end and maybe on the offensive end and just like try to build him back up. And I guess that's the only argument for not starting him is somehow it's detrimental to him emotionally or developmentally by being on the floor. If there are other issues that need to be treated, you can find some other way to treat those issues. But honestly, like, I don't think there's any better treatment than going out there and messing up, doing well, not doing well, uh, and just keep shooting in low pressure situations. And this is, I don't know, it's impossible, I think, for us to know the right answer to this question. But if you have a basketball player, asking should they play basketball i think the answer tends to be yes well yeah this is are you paying him uh yeah you're paying him you say significant minutes that would mean meaningful is there any meaning to the net season it doesn't matter what you do with it i'm just gonna go ahead and embrace absurdity here and just say there's no meaning for this franchise. There is nothing significant. If you want to be nice, you'll put him out there because, yes, he's a basketball player, as Dominique said, and he should be better playing basketball. And that's one way to go out there and do it is just say, hey, 
why don't you go play? Because nothing means anything this season anyway. As for what you do with him, nothing good because you don't have any good options. Yeah. He would be, in the in the words of several observers, the most expensive bench warmer in basketball. Which I mean, is something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's the I, best I basketball you player you have, like ceiling wise. Mm-hmm. Like he's the most valuable player you have at his very best. He's better than anyone else on your roster. So, like, I, I understand that Jacques Vaughn has things to prove, and success on court is proving that. But also, like, trying to rebuild that piece, and whether it's something that can that can be valuable to you on the court going forward, or something that you can move to someone else at some point. Like, I don't see the benefit of sitting him down now when he has little to no value. Well, I feel like Alabaster is going to barge in here and explain that the Nets are still most likely a playoff team. Then Mikhail Bridges is another guy with a lot of upside who they just acquired that we should be probably respecting more. But I like the strategy of everyone around him lying as aggressively as possible in an attempt to make his value as artificially high as possible. Though I feel like, again, Alabaster probably disputes that plan too. Well, no, the thing that I find interesting is that you guys think he is the best talent on the team that needs to be developed because what the Nets have done they're actually a destination that in a couple of years might draw another talent because they have all of these fun pieces that could develop. Like we didn't think sure. Nick Claxton was going to be an all NBA caliber defensive player. He can't yeah, play right. with Simmons. Cam Thomas Bridges. needs the ball. When he has, when Simmons is on the floor, the ball's out of his hand. Bridges is the one that actually sort of fits with, with, with Simmons, but even him, like I think you want him having a more focal role in the offense than he had in Phoenix. So I, I think there's actually an interesting discussion of what's actually good for the development of their core pieces. It didn't take much. I'm sold. I'm I'm sold. I was looking for an, a Ben Simmons exit oh, ramp and you on. gave me one. So yeah, sit him down and play as well as you can to be an attractive spot for someone who wants to go be the centerpiece right here. Anytime that you spend uh, convincing yourself of all that stuff that I just tried to convince you 15 minutes ago is wasted time. Like I, I think it's a, a, it's a long shot that he ever fully well it's he will never fully reach the potential that we thought he had it's a long shot that i think he even gets back to the value that he once had because part of that value was based on the assumption that he would develop and that's not going to happen so for whatever reasons like i try to be as sensitive about all this stuff as you can because we don't know what's going on with him but when it comes down to the come down you got a basketball team to run and he's not a good basketball player so you don't play him if you have an op- if you have other options also there's an interest based argument here for Simmons which is this with his salary okay i would never argue that taking money away from somebody which you're not going to do anyway would be good for them or taking them out of the lineup would be good for them however there might be the argument to make if as Zaklo says he is a broken player mentally right Help him along however you want. Get him out of there. Get him out of the position where I look at him and say, I owe you $78 million, and what are you doing for me? Solve that problem for him because he is evidently not going to solve it for himself or can't solve it for himself for some reason. That may be one of the most compassionate things to do is to say, you are in an overloaded situation where too much is is expected of you by price tag. Let's Ah. go ahead. Let's fix that and move forward. I am uncomfortable, um, but unfortunately, um, understanding of the Dr. Kevorkian method to roster management that you are suggesting. The idea, the idea of like, hey, get, let's know, like this is there's not this is not a thing we should really um, be deluding ourselves about. The idea of like, hey, you're 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 just a totally different person now. Look to me when I watch Ben Simmons, I have watched him 
in spurts, be aggressive and be a lot like the person that I have always believed that he had inside of him. I just cannot convince myself that there is a reliability to that version of himself that tends to creep out at times. And so, yes, the idea of being broken mentally, um, look, do you want to make this team in the present tense as good as they can possibly be? That to me is really the question. It's not a, a, the development of the pieces around him. Like, I, I don't believe that Ben Simmons is that degree of toxic. He's just a guy who doesn't fit well on a basketball court. Well, it's not that he's getting worse because he's no, 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 no. But I think that the point that I was making earlier is you have to cater to his development. And that was like stupid. I, I think the point is not that he's toxic personality wise or his presence is toxic as much as it's he's a player that his skill set is such it's so like focused that in order to for him to maximize his ability, everyone around him needs to bend their game. Uh, in order to help him. And I think it's pretty clear that the pieces they got from from Phoenix are pieces that are worth developing those and then like putting your leg out there on the market to the next disgruntled superstar and saying, look, we got all the side pieces that you could want and you can come be the main course. And to the degree that you put effort towards um, developing Ben Simmons, I think you hurt yourself there because then he becomes the story and nobody is going to volunteer no. to be a part of that. And no, yeah, nobody benefit and nobody benefits from that storyline either. It's not like, oh, if we emphasize Ben Simmons, that's going to go well for Ben Simmons. Mm -hmm. That's not been the case so far. I, I want sad. him. I, it is sad it's because sad. I, the only the only Make a like joke, Pablo. I I, I, <laughs> I want him to like I, I want him to like slap the floor. I want him to go full on, just like grinder cliche, just like lean into the skills of energy and hustle and stuff that doesn't theoretically uh, create whatever anxiety tends to bloom. The problem is it's not up to him. Public. It's not up to him. On the other mm -hmm. end of the floor, well, that's, people are that's, gonna, that's, yeah, that's the problem. People are gonna leave him that, open and force him yes, to do those they're things. Gonna, so they're gonna have him shoot free throws, which he shoots at sub 45%. I mean, this is- Alabaster, you gotta brighten up the mood. Yeah, no, I'm going to do something that you loathe, <laughs> but I have to do it anyway. Oh, God. We're doing and I fake no, trades. No. Okay, so you were a pro. How would you have felt if you were on a team and there was a player who was making the most money on the team? Oh. And it had to be about the development of him versus the development of you guys. How much compassion, realistically, would you or would you imagine his teammates have for him in this situation? Little to none, which is why mm -hmm. I think that they should not do that. I started out there and I moved off quickly as soon as you presented <laughs> a, an exit ramp for me. Like I, I honestly think that as, as callous as this sounds, anytime they're faced with a decision in that organization about Ben Simmons, they should try to do the best thing by Ben Simmons unless it contradicts with doing the best thing by just about anyone else in the organization. So like he is at the bottom of the priority stack for them in my view and you're just hoping that he figures it out and just watching the clock until you can move on from that and maybe someone else will convince themselves that they need a defensive stopper and you can move them for something i i just don't even i mean honestly i when i psychoanalyze these nets i don't think it's that resentment of like oh this guy's getting minutes over me i think it's just a bummer <laughs> i yeah. think everybody sort yeah. of realizes what's up I don't think it's about the minutes as much as it's about the like the way that it impacts your game. I think. I mean, I, at least that's the way that I heard what Alabaster was saying. Is like, like we're better without him on the yeah. floor, and by babying him, aka just putting him on the floor, and that counts as babying now in this 
in this context, that is where it does feel like um, right. you'll be paying for him to not work for you. As it's, as a half me- it's, it's a half measure. I mean, half measures aren't going to do anybody any good here. And the Nets are already so far out on the rebuild. What's the point in keeping this on the docket? Oh, God. It's, it's, it's just... I. I, I, next, please. I, I, I would like to be happy. Hate, oh, this next one does. We there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. If I got some bad news. Um, so, does it feel to you that Eric Bieniemy needs to coordinate an offense without Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes to get an NFL head coaching job? I love how this show so far is like. Here's a depressing story. Try and spin it into a way that's less depressing. And inevitably, we're not going to be able to do that because Eric Bieniemy at this point. Yes, does he need to not have one of the greatest coaches of all time and maybe the greatest quarterback of all time on his team to prove that he is worth an opportunity that everyone else that we can imagine in that equivalent spot would have gotten already? I I just don't think that's the issue at this point. It feels like the issue is the issue that we all suspect it is. Flip it. Go look at the long list of coaches who have managed to get nice mortgages, houses, vacation, home salaries, private school, tuition for their kids, cars, and livelihoods off Tom Brady's coattails without any actual demonstration they had anything to do with Tom Brady's success (laughs) as a quarterback. It is a long roster of coaches, and it continues to this day. Look at the long list of coaches who have gotten in with nothing but a smile and their dad's phone number and ended up as coordinators or even head coaches simply because of who they were related to. Look at all of the people who would point to Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes as conflating factors to demean Eric Bieniemy's resume as a top flight offensive coordinator and coach and tell me he needs to do anything else. Nothing, nothing. The two things that are keeping him from getting a head coaching job are racism and nepotism. That's it. That's it. That's it in full. Could something be so racist that it's not racist anymore? Is that is that possible? <laughs> I don't I don't think it's possible. But Wait, explain, I honestly, explain why you're contemplating that. Because he he's been passed over so many times that it even has me, mm. a black man in America, thinking that it could be <laughs> something else. Like how outrageous <laughs> is that? Like I have been black. And I have been in America for almost 40 years. It'll be 40 years next month. And I often, when there are things going on and other people around me who do not have my same experience, they are confused. And I'm like, you know what it is? It's probably has something to do with race. And even me, like, what else could it be? It's so, so right. Now I understand fully. It's just so illogical at this point that it must be something <laughs> we don't know about is what you're deducing here, hypothetically. Because other people have hired black coaches. Mm-hmm. So if you were open to hiring a black coach, why wouldn't you hire Eric Bieniemy? And so the thing that you did, Spencer, that I thought was useful was point out how other people coast on coattails and like Adam Gase was one time close to Peyton Manning, but you didn't even have to go that far. You can Mm -hmm. use people that did the exact same job as Andy Reid. There's so (laughs) many head coaches in this, or so many guys got head coaching opportunities in this league and got to buy those boats and send their kids to fancy schools and do all that stuff because they were a coordinator on Andy right. Reid's staff, Matt Nagy, etc. They, there were Matt Nagy was a co-offensive coordinator on a yeah. staff where Andy Reid called the plays. 
and he still got a job. So <laughs> I, I and like so, and the offense has done nothing but get better and better and better, and then they got better in a different way. And right. so normally, take away Tyreek Hill, done. And so normally, yeah. the logic behind is it's easy to find a way to give somebody a job if you want to give them a job. And if you say like, all right, he was under Andy Reid, then you tell yourself that he learned something from being under Andy Reid and you give him a job. That's why you do all these other things. And if someone's coordinating an offense, then he got like, I, I played for probably the best coach I played for was John Harbaugh. He was a special teams coordinator. So like, if you want to hire somebody, you find a way to, to rationalize, giving them a job, doing all this stuff, suggesting that Eric Bieniemy has more to prove, like is... It's absurd, and I think it's ridiculous for us even to, like, engage in that as a conversation. Y'all don't want to hire him, and no one's told, told us a good reason why yet. On the, on the far end of that spectrum, too, consider this, okay? If you said it's something else, okay? If you said, okay, listen, Eric Bieniemy doesn't have a single original thought in his head. Not one. All he's done is sit next to Andy Reid and learn the entire Andy Reid playbook and how they do things for the past, you know, however many years. If you said the worst possible assumption here, right, that this dude was just going to do what he had learned there, that would be an amazing resume. That would be fine if he were the worst possible estimation of Eric Bieniemy, right? And yet all he gets are sniffs at, like, the Colorado job, like one of the worst jobs in college football, one of the most difficult. And they're like, oh, maybe we'll give Eric Bieniemy a call. Please. Please, I mean, there is no excuse. Alabaster, I mean, there is some of the like, okay, let's Wikipedia, Eric Bieniemy. let's go through the legal issues section, which I don't want to do here because I've not yeah. done the reporting into verifying any of the things that we've heard floated in previous cycles, right? Like we've heard everything from, there was this incident um, in which I, you know, throw it on the screen is what I have to say. I don't even know the story well enough. But the point is there's that, there's the he's not good at interviewing, which felt coded. Um, but maybe there's something deeper. We don't, but to Dominique's exasperation, right? It is a, it is darkly absurd that maybe we're just being gaslit so hard that we're now, <laughs> we're now inventing reasons why clearly he hasn't gotten the opportunities. Yeah, it's, it's pretty f***ed up, actually. This is somehow more f***ed up in a real way than the last story. Thanks for You're giving it to, to us. You trying to tell me that Nick Sirianni interviewed well? <laughs> <laughs> I saw him do an interview. It wasn't good. Like Dan Campbell, you want you trying to tell me that Dan Campbell walked in there and wowed you with his organization? No. I mean, he probably these are both good coaches. Sure. He probably looked real jacked. You know, you trying to tell me Bill Belichick is a charmer? Yeah. Trying to tell me he gets in that room. And smooths oh. it out. No, he lowers the temperature when Dan, he walks in. Dan Campbell definitely knows what cowboy butter is. <laughs> okay. It's a pre-workout. Um, it's a pre-workout. So, pre yeah. But before we move off of this topic, I do want to ask one follow-up. And that is to you guys, just to get to the nuts and bolts of it. If you're Eric Bieniemy and you're getting hosed again from an opportunity, do you stay in Kansas City and go sort of the Tom Moore route of continuing to coordinate the greatest football player we've maybe ever seen and win more Super Bowls? Or do you try and go elsewhere, show everyone that you are good no. enough to run it on your own well, and yeah, get a head coaching I, job? You you do what, you, what makes you happy because okay. it is a fool's errand to run around trying to, like, appease these people. Like, it's quite clear that he's done enough. 
And so like, if he, if personally he wants to go do that for himself, go for it. I think it's ridiculous if he, if he starts trying to um, check some boxes that no one else has to check. Like, no, all these other coaches, coaches are not checking these boxes that um, people are asking him to check. So I, I'd rather stay with Patrick Holmes and collect me some more uh, Super Bowl trophies and have some fun in Kansas City, eat barbecue, than go, I don't know, try to be offensive coordinator for some team that stinks. But can, can, that's I? a pretty good revenge tour. That's a that's a satisfying revenge tour, is to take a tool like Patrick you should, Mahomes. A, a team should hire him away just to destabilize the situation. <laughs> like just shake it up some. Just like it's it, yeah, you can hire him away and put him deep on your bench just to make it harder for the rest of or harder for the Chiefs to continue to iterate on, on their offense. I like, it is it, not much. It, it's not much for me to ask of the universe that Nathan, that Eric Bieniemy be given the same chance that Nathaniel Hackett got. Mm. Like just once, Matt once. Hackett. If I were Eric Bieniemy, I would try to negotiate with the Chiefs. Can I just do this job? Can I like do this from Thailand? <laughs> I mean, I feel like I, we're pretty good. Oh, gosh, You're yeah. Like, let me, let me just. Can I just zoom in? Like, most of the week. <laughs> I'm going to check Deep on breath. my steak. Deep breath, Deep breath, I can't take this frustration. <laughs> Oh yeah, Izzy. Uh, Dominique's cooking a steak. Um, oh really? Why yeah, we so, do this? Yeah, so we're now in the the back half of the show. Obviously, this is this is this is clutch time, as we say. In so the you're NBA. just gonna get up like every three minutes then? No, see, a reverse sear is a little bit slower process, so it's gonna time uh, up just well. I mean, just right to hit about one fifteen when we finish this. Then I'm gonna go up, throw the broccoli in a pan, throw my fresh French fries and homemade French fries uh, too. Yeah, in the uh, oven. Wow, that like takes a full day to do. And then I'm gonna go ahead and throw the steak on a cast iron with some butter, rosemary, mm -hmm. and kind of caramelize the outside of it. And yeah. then gonna have sex with my wife <laughs> <laughs> i was just about to say it's funny because it's obviously valentine's day while we record this i'm looking through the rundown and i see ben simmons i see the lakers i see Kyrie, and i'm thinking wow valentine's day we're all telling our significant others uh because we're like recording this not like in the daytime like mm -mm. at 2 p.m or it's like when you're already thinking about like having yeah. sex, you know making yes. sure like oh yeah. you know not too gassy yeah. all that type of stuff. <laughs> and and they're like wait a second hun I got to talk about Ben Simmons, the Lakers, Dude, and Kyrie one I, more you know, time. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to hand the credit card to the waiter at dinner in an hour mm. and a half, and then I'm not going to have sex with my wife. <laughs> That's how my night's going to go. Uh, man, I like I it did gassy, Valentine's so. Day yesterday, and I don't have a wife, so I'm not going to fill in any more details. <laughs> <laughs> Alabaster? Um, should we talk about Anthony Davis? Sure. Oh, sure. Right. Yeah. Are you guys starting to think that AD is unhappy in L.A.? Oh, this this recurring theme of just misery. So Anthony Davis, I guess, is he the most famous moment in which everyone was sort of reminded of potential unhappiness was, of course, when he sat utterly unmoved. Yes, yeah. here it is. While everyone else, not just in that building and immediately around him in a way that is clearly impossible to miss, um, but in the world seemed to. Yeah, I mean, he watched it like I did on a big screen. <laughs> he was just being respectful of the people who are trying to record like i'm tall i'll sit down and it'll be fine 
except he then tried to explain, oh, I was just like really focused in the game. I had just come back out and uh, I had to apologize. Or he said, I apologize to LeBron. And LeBron then said, I love you, um, which is sweet on a mic'd up moment, which is now less sweet because it feels performative. But the point is, they're saying it's all fine. I don't know if anyone believes them. I mean, have you guys like, I don't know if you've spent any time like trying to put yourself in Anthony Davis's shoes these days, but, um, you know, forget about the part about him getting injured for the moment, if we can, because obviously he considers that something he can't control. He doesn't think he's made out of glass or anything. So it's just like, hey, crazy accidents. I'll, I'll try my best to avoid those. But he is the young one in this group still trying to create his legacy or finish off mm -hmm. his legacy. He still hasn't hit 30 yet. He, <sighs> because he gets injured all the time, is thinking to himself, I've got to maximize what I can do when I am out there. Okay. And I, I, I want to, this isn't reporting. Okay. I want to clarify the level of uh, reporting I'm doing. This is group text reporting. All right. Ooh. But I was told that level of reporting that AD had just kind of like had enough, like with, not necessarily specifically with Russ, maybe, but just with like the whole idea of this elephant in the room that was just not being addressed. And it's just like, yeah, it might be cool for LeBron to say, hey, get me some help. But he's already got four. He's already got GOAT status. Like, I'm still trying to finish this job here. And there's a lot of pressure on him, whether, you know, we talk about it or not. And so I think for him to say, dang it, we're losing to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Why am I celebrating this? Mm. You know, we're losing to these teams that are just so bad, like the Portland Trailblazers. I don't even want to look back at what happened the rest of my career. I delete my Instagram account for the time being. And I think for him, it hurts more than anybody else on that team, on that roster, more so than it hurt Russ. And so, yeah, I think this is the AD that we're supposed to see out of a guy who's leading a 13th place team. And I know he hasn't been there the whole season, but I think unhappiness is bound to happen when it's just kind of chaos around him. And he, while he was the one who was supposed to save everything and make this a respectable championship franchise again, which he did, is also still in that place. And everybody else is kind of in this weird, chaotic, yeah. you know, place. I mean, that's the way that you explain it makes perfect sense. It does. And I can, yeah, I can sympathize with AD there. But I think, is he unhappy in L.A.? doesn't seem to like strike at the core of the real question is like, is he unhappy with LeBron mm. and his management and the decisions that LeBron's made and the way that LeBron um, comments in the media and the way that LeBron's building this team to the way, to the effect that he has influence. Like that's the stuff that matters to me. So like if he's upset because things aren't working out, that's fine. I understand that. And it's fine if he's upset for other reasons, but you don't do much if you're upset because things aren't working out, if you're upset because you view LeBron as part of the reason why things aren't working out for you, then that's a whole different ball of wax. And no one's suggesting that that's the reason why, but sitting during LeBron's like all time record breaking moment makes us start to speculate like, Oh, yeah. Well, it, it, it makes us. And again, the deletion of the Instagram account, which is for as much as it's a, you know, psychoanalysis from afar it's also clearly indicating something <laughs> we we will now speculate as to what it is the question fundamentally is does he does he think that he can be his best self playing next to lebron james under these circumstances and keep in what mind anthony he, davis is he was a top 75 player according to the nba like he's time. not all time yes exactly not just like a good sidekick but one of the 75 best players who's ever lived yeah. and he has to be Truly, like this, the the second 
the second name on the marquee in ways that are probably annoying. Well, if you t- if you tell me that it's it's a a matching up uh, with LeBron or a fit with LeBron thing, I have a hard time believing that because they did win together, and I know that this um, you know version of LeBron is even slightly different than it was in 2020. Um, but they still won together, and they still can do that. And I think when you talk about like the like the idea of living up to what LeBron expects out of you, right? It's not just the performance, it's it's being serious about it. And while LeBron is celebrating himself, like I think Anthony Davis is almost looking at it like LeBron's probably gonna credit me if I'm the one who keeps it about the main thing. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like I'm going zero dark 30 before mm. we even get close. We're in the play in, we're not even in the play in and I'm just gonna focus on getting us from 13th to 10th and now, you know, I'm not saying I love this that we're going back to last year's delusional Lakers uh, fandom, you know, moments and saying, oh, well, if they beat this one team in one game and if they get to the Nuggets in the first round, they can do. No, I don't believe they can do all that. But I do believe that it hurts Anthony Davis's legacy a lot more to finish in the teens and the Western Conference when you've got a 30 point a game LeBron James as your teammate. I love the idea, Dominique, that Anthony Davis actually, we have it all wrong. Anthony Davis is trying to impress LeBron so hard <laughs> that he is trying to perform somebody who is not impressed by LeBron. <laughs> I mean, playing next to LeBron at any point in his career is a very hard thing to do. I think it makes maybe your basketball life a little easier, but it's a lot more scrutiny, a lot more attention, a lot more pressure, a lot more sacrifice. It's very hard at any point in his career when he's at his best. But playing next to this version of LeBron seems like you get all of that bad stuff, but you're not getting the best version of LeBron, which is probably pretty hard to deal with because then, particularly when you have a history of injury, then the story about the shortcomings of this season is not going to be about the guy who passed. And it's always been like that. When LeBron's teams come up a little short, it's because the people around him weren't good enough. And oftentimes it's true. But this time, like Anthony Davis, it feels like Anthony Davis is going to take a lot more blame than he necessarily deserves. Because who's going to say the guy who passed Kareem is struggling or all the rest of the guys around him who like aren't quite up to the sidekick level that you would need to win a championship post up lebron by the way does clash with anthony davis more than you know pick and roll lebron yeah. or crazy right. athletic lebron right right um what's up Allie? but also like beyond that i mean i think we all agree that he sort of has realized he's a sidekick and everything in la is about lebron and is wasting the end of his prime but just shrinking it too he has every right to be mad at LeBron right now. He LeBron made everything about breaking the scoring record, which is an all-time accomplishment. But in doing so, he injured his foot in a game against the Oklahoma City Thunder that he decided he had to break the record in that game. Putting the rest of their season that they just traded one of their precious picks as assets for in jeopardy. Here's, Doesn't it make sense to be pissed? Here's what Anthony Davis cannot do. Get mad at someone else's injuries. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> because the report is, you where have you been? Like you, uh, your foot got injured, like hanging in midair when somebody else hit uh, it with the leg. Like it yeah. just feels like it's it's an impossible argument to make. And you know now, hey, LeBron's not there for a couple of games. Now's your chance. Hey, take over against another team that's in the teens in the Western Conference, and you can't do it. And so that's why I think it's less frustration with other people and more frustration with himself and his position like this is what he sold his soul for and while he is not getting the best version of lebron he's also not getting the best version of himself that happened like a couple of months ago it's it's crazy man like i i will say in fairness to anthony davis he was considered like right there with Giannis, right there with joel Embiid. 
Like he, his skill set, his potential was as if not more obvious than theirs. And the way he has been lapped by them in real ways among serious people who watch basketball, who study the game, that fall, albeit yes, to the bottom of an elite tier is is pretty jarring when you remember who he was considering his peers. And one of the things that I've always thought about Anthony Davis is that he's sort of a, a big that needs to get into a rhythm, um, which is unfortunate because he's like never out there long enough to get into rhythms. But when he is, it's it's unstoppable, it feels like. And that's when you see the MVP version of him. And I think this, um, not just the in and out thing that's problematic, but also this stretch of, yeah, LeBron looking to score has probably taken a little bit of that sort of killer out of Anthony Davis. And I do think that when he is that guy again, when LeBron does come back from this foot injury, like that's the only, it's a sprint down, you know, to, from the all-star yeah. game to the end of the season. And it has to be our best possible, you know, lineups, our best possible approach. And that has to be playing through Anthony Davis, even if that makes LeBron more of a spot shooter and he only, you know, drops down to like 27 a game by the end of the season. But he can't be this guy who is constantly going for 40 on this team. It's got to be Anthony Davis and he's got to create, you know, the space for everybody else. Yeah, it's a sprint at the end of a marathon, though. <laughs> and yeah, Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis's body, yeah, it's not just a straight sprint. If Alabaster doesn't get that next topic up here, oh, what, 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 what? I had a rhythm method joke. What do you got? Oh, uh, glad you got it in there anyway. Um, but scale of one to ten, let's go around quickly before we move on. How surprised would you be if he asked out this offseason? Hmm, what does he have left on his deal? Um, one more year. I'd be very surprised because yeah, uh, like it, to clutch and all that stuff. Yeah. I'd say oh, seven. I, I, I'm gonna go eight. I'm gonna go eight on that. Oh, box me out. I'd be about right. a five because I feel oh. like if he asks out, I think it's in concert with some plan that LeBron has as well. I don't think this oh, is yeah, um, Anthony fair. Davis individually. I think if if LeBron finishes 13th and never doesn't make it into the play-in after averaging on a season where he averages 30 and broke the record like he's going to be terribly embarrassed too like there's got to be some sort of bungee or some sort of ripcord something that, that that's going to get them an out because lebron very rarely gets stuck in a situation that is not to his liking for very long hmm. okay last topic how concerning are the first couple games of the luca Kyrie partnership I love the Jason Kidd quotes coming out of this partnership. Oh. Can we? Do you have them, Alabaster? I the do. Whole I have thing one of right like, here. If you want me to read it, yeah, you do it. It's great. He said, <laughs> he said uh, he's not concerned about the team's interior defense after the loss versus T Wills. He said, "Quote: No, it's not an issue. We're here to outscore people. People come to see points, not eighty to eighty. We're here to <laughs> score. This is the new NBA. Interior defense. We'll figure it out. One of our defenders. When we talk about our defense, Maxie's out." Hopefully oh, yeah, we get Max him back Weaver, after the All-Star sure. break. Hold he, on. He did that, and he also did the thing of like, hey, I'm giving the people what they want. Yeah. <laughs> Which is an not... amazing argument. I'm half of a coach trying to win basketball games. I think he gave up on defense time. before the they even played together. Yes. He had already given up on defense. So it's I think you at least have to pay lip service to the defense. Like it's not encouraging. And then if offense is what you wanted to what you're gonna hang your hat on, you might want to figure out how to close a game. Like it was like the a cartoonish version of what the problem would be with two guys <laughs> who who are like ball yep. handlers and score. Like this is a joke. It's like you know what the problem is? That they don't have enough balls and they're not gonna figure out what to do at the end of the games. Like I that is exactly what it would look like if yes. like I wrote a TV show for 
the WB, yeah, we're going black TV shows, for about <laughs> basketball where two guys had a, a high school joined together and both were star basketball players. And we're not going to figure out who's going to take the last shot. It, what's it really a level is. below giving it lip service? Like if you're just giving Ooh. defense lip service, what's below that? Uh, because they're about two it, steps Pablo. below that. That's yeah. beneath you, Pablo. Uh, like, um, gosh. The turn-based thing, though, the which is the criticism of Kyrie and KD in Brooklyn. Like, as good as they were, um, despite, of course, all of the stuff surrounding that made them want to get out of there, they were always turn-based at the end of games. And mm -hmm. I don't have the proof that they can fix that here. I just am willing to bet. I mean, this is where Jason Kidd, for all of the absurdity of like what we clearly know he's doing, is, is he sees it clearly. He's not wrong that the only thing he has to spin here is the potential of them just scoring more points. But when it's close, when you need to stop, when you got to coordinate two guys who are ball dominant, guess what? That is where you, Jason Kidd, are going to have to figure some out that people have not yet before yeah, i mean and you're gonna have to be so good at offense that you make a team presumably that cares about defense that you make them worse than you against your team that refuses to play defense like it <laughs> seems like a lot to ask and also like your offense is not going to be some spursian complex pass around tough to defend like when you get to the playoffs and uh, granted, in Luca's defense, they game planned against Luca before, and he made he's made it all the way to the conference finals. But game planning against an offense that is turn based seems, I, I would assume, is a lot easier. And then also trying to score against a team that has two guys of the five who don't care about defense, and a coach who's saying we don't care about defense makes it feel like the bar for them pretty low on playoff success. That's this the funniest card. card I've ever read on this it's show. It's a it perfectly is by far the funniest of, card. Off of what Dominique was saying, just Alabaster pointing uh, out, don't worry, LaMarcus uh, Aldridge at age 37, presumably. Yeah, um, his heart okay? Didn't I was going to say, speaking, defense, of, I got speaking of heart ons, yeah. I hope that's doing well. Yeah. His, cardio, his cardio situation. Um, oh, I like that cardio situation. I'm going to tell your father who's the doctor that you said his cardio <laughs> situation. <laughs> his cardio situation. Not, it's, it's, not uh, tight. I feel like the, that's that's where you go with, it's, it's brother the, dude. It's, it's, the 30, it's the thirty rock, Doctor Leo Spichman. Uh, diabetes yeah, repair. Man. Yeah. <laughs> um, since we already had to wear AD's shoes, um, put on Luca's shoes for a second. Do, oh. If we're Luca, like everything we know about Luca, do we think that Luca has any like any thought to deferring? to Kyrie. We already know that Luke has already talked about, hey, I'm not going to play 20 years. I can't take this as seriously as LeBron for that long. Whatever. I'm here for a, you know, a good time, not a long time. That same personality, Respect. that guy who <laughs> probably not in, I mean, not probably, but not in great shape if you look at him. Like, you think this guy is going to say, yeah, let me take a step back in what's been my best season so far so I can cater to this guy who's probably not going to be here next year, who might just even make life worse while I am here, not better. Like, what do you think I need to to defer to this guy for? And like, I'm with him. Like, what 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 is what has Kyrie proven that he's going to come in and make this a better situation for them? So far, zero and two together. So he's made it worse. So if I'm Luke, I'm like, eh. Whatever. You scored 26 points in the fourth quarter. You're going to have to do that every fourth quarter to get the ball out of my hands because this is my team. First three quarters, go stand in the corner, man.
<laughs> How long is it gonna take until Izzy notices? What's I've noticed the cat the whole time. I was just waiting for her, <laughs> what the this. joke was. I didn't know if the cat was like part of the program at this point. I do like see it's already got a paw over there. Luka Doncic definitely more of a cat than a dog. Definitely someone who's name? going to do whatever the hell he wants. Oh, Lamar, Lamar the cat. Lamar the cat is essentially a cast member of of this show to the point where Puss he and has... Boots. Good movie. I enjoyed it. Mm. Also, a strip club that James Harden loves going to. All right, and we're done. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> Enjoy your Valentine's Day. It was a show we... about love. So much love. So much. So much love. Cardio stuff. <laughs> <laughs>